0: Hey New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to Unfiltered Dunks. Today I got a special guest, this is Josh Matinko. He he runs the uh, Celtics Pride podcast, he's a D1 coach, he's now the AD up at Oregon. Josh, how you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How you doing? Oh man, enjoying the weather down here in New Orleans, it's just a little misty, but from what we were talking about earlier, it sounds like it's still a better better day to get out and shoot hoops than what you got there up in Oregon. Yeah, it's cold up here. I'm in
1: Central Oregon in Bend, Oregon, and it's it's you know not a New England winter like I grew up you know in Boston around, but it's it's you know twenty twenty five degrees during the day, and you know it's cold.
0: Yeah, sounds miserable. But other than that, <laughs> uh, tell the people where they can find your podcast. What got you into it, uh, and kind of what led you to being an athletic director, going from the coaching coaching ranks to what I see more as a a mentor and admin role?
1: Yeah, good questions. You know, I've I've been a college basketball coach for nine years until last year when I, I took this job. Um, you know, I was a JUCO coach and bouncing around a lot and, you know, you're always trying to at least at the higher levels, you're always either trying to get the next job because you're losing and you and you don't want to get fired or you're trying to get the next job because you're winning and you have opportunities to get something bigger and better. And so it's a situation where you're moving your family a lot or you're living away from family a lot. You know, and it's a grind. And as much as I loved coaching hoops, it was time to make a family decision. I got a little one. So um, I took this position here at... Uh, at Central Oregon Community College. Um, I've got a lot of junior college, community college work experience, so um, I'm coordinating and directing all their uh, club sport teams, intramural events for all the students, and we're doing all sorts of different things. So this is a little bit more of like a recreation department um, on a college campus than like coaching and and kind of the hardcore grind of of that that daily routine. Um, But I've always been a Celtics fan, always been academic about the game, and, you know, I started this text message thread with my twin brother and his old roommate and we were just you know arguing about all things related to the Boston Celtics and we were like you know we should start a podcast and so we did I've been a big fan of Celtics blog since 2003 when they started you know the the, the Tony Allen Delante West Al Jefferson draft year and that was like that was the big deal for me uh, right out of college I was working in the office and uh, it was I was really on Celtics blog a lot of the day and um, Luckily, they picked up our podcast after, like, eight episodes just out there on the internet with six listeners, and, and now we got about a 1,000 listeners an episode. You can find it on the Celtics blog podcast feed. There's two podcasts on there, Celtics Pod and Celtics Pride. We are Celtics Pride.
0: Man, great to hear. I mean, it sounds like you're really steeped in the game, and you've got a lot of experience that could translate into giving us insight into, like, the, the, this pandemic season in the NBA. You know, traveling around a lot, leaving the family behind, all those jumping through, you know, th- jumping through hoops just to stay in the next job, and you really want to find something stable, and that's something we're not going to have this season. So, uh, I mean, talk about that—how that really could grind on on younger and older players alike, just in different ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think a lot about that right now. You know, there's there's a whole senior high school class that just graduated. You know graduating and and just graduating and they're all kind of looking for college opportunities to play and all these seniors are getting their year back in college you know. so everyone who's in college is getting their year back, that that means that there's less recruiting opportunities for guys and it may squeeze some players out who may not be college basketball players but would be a red shirt or a gray shirt on a college team Um, and and now they're maybe not going to get that opportunity and, and so in some ways it might like bottleneck the talent a little bit, um, but I think that takes some guys who are late bloomers out of the game potentially. Uh, maybe not for the NBA, but I mean you can look at some NBA guys and, and see that they're real late bloomers. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of examples of guys who it's taken five, six years, you know, to, to really develop. Chauncey Billups was, was a perfect example of that. You know, a champion with the Pistons, a team leader, one of the best players in the NBA in that time, and you know, he was bouncing around the NBA for his first three, four years. Um, so it, it's just there's a lot of a lot of people out there just just in, indoors. You know, they're not outside. Recreating, having fun, getting like, I just kicked a soccer ball around with a couple friends, just two friends yesterday for the first time. I hadn't passed a ball to anybody in six months, nine months. Right. It's like, wow. Um, some wow. people, depending on how the pandemic's going for people, some are, some people are really isolated right now. So that for hoopers, that's their identity, you know? And, and when you lose that now, maybe I think some of these young guys are figuring out who am I really as a man or a woman, you know it without basketball you know and, and most players find that out when they get injured the first time in college or when they their career's over when the ball starts stops bouncing and they got to really do that internal work so uh, it's waking everybody up in a way and that's good for the NBA too
0: yeah it, it's good for the NBA it's good for everybody it's it's good for people to get out and pass the ball if you can uh, but some of that comes down to opportunity like you 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 were alluding to and junior colleges I've had coach Rory on from Delgado a couple other coaches Uh, I like to do that for the podcast more than just instant reactions to whatever happened last night in the game which the Pelicans played great in Houston we'll get back to that Pelicans fans but coach talk talk a little bit more about how junior college and and not overlooking that opportunity it should be something that's I guess guess uh Nailed down more with these players. It's it's more of a focus because you hear too much of this D one or bus mentality. Yeah, and, and a lot of
1: you know, there's there's kind of a, I guess a competition a little bit between prep schools and junior colleges, um, and and the prep schools are saying you know you're not you don't want your college clock to start, so you should go to a prep school, or you're gonna you know depending on the on the prep, you know a lot of those New England preps have a really good reputation for getting guys D1 scholarships. And, and so it could be automatic if you go to the right ones, but there's so many prep schools out there that are honestly businesses that end up folding in four or five years. Um, and and there, there's some, some shadiness to that that you don't find as much at the junior college level. And the junior colleges are selling, you know, you can come here and and be with a college team and not start your clock in redshirt or grayshirt for a year. But at least now you're taking college classes, you're on a campus, you're in the program, you're learning the defense. So when it's time for you to play, you know, that that redshirt or grayshirt year, I've seen that make all conference players, especially if they play a year and then for whatever reason they have to redshirt or grayshirt, whether it's medical or academic or, or just growth and development, you know, weight room wise or mentally that they often come back after that taste their freshman year and then their sophomore year they take off. They're so hungry their next year, their third year, that they're, they're often going higher, you know, D1 than, than they would have otherwise. Um, and so just for all these guys, you know, to slow down their development and to really like buy into a culture and, and to make sure you choose a place where people, the coaches actually care about you. They treat you like a person first. And a, and a player or an asset, second, right? That's kind of the most important thing. And and uh, if you're around that, like a high character environment, um, that's the ideal situation that you're going to be successful coming out of that environment. A lot of these guys, they're they're going to school to school, or they're going prep to JUCO to another JUCO, and you know that's that that's not the ideal way to build consistency, and that's what creates success. You know, we see that in the NBA. The guys who are having the most success, Jalen Brown as an example, are often the most consistent. Yeah, they're still growing at year five, six, seven. Like, they're trying to improve every single year. They're not satisfied just being drafted and, and making the rotation.
0: Right. you got to love seeing that drive in a player as a coach. When that comes on campus, you just know, all right, I've got – maybe I don't have an all-world talent, but I've got an all-world character. And if you've got that, you can build out from basketball into anything else in life. Would you agree? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the metaphors for sports, you know, to life are are, are what my whole career is built on,
0: right? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's what a lot of championships are built on in the NBA if we want to segue towards that. And I think the Pelicans are doing that. They've had an impressive two weeks. They're now on a four-game win streak. They blew out Houston. They're now, instead of being... They played Minnesota and Minnesota beat them without Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell. The Pelicans were, I mean, one game out of last place, and now they're two games out of sixth place. And they're they're flirting, they're flirting with every bit of expectations that they had coming into the season. Everything's still attainable. Uh, how much have you watched the Pelicans this season, and what have you thought about Zion, Lonzo, Josh Hart, and maybe you know what this team can do going forward?
1: Yeah, I think that there's a lot of talent on that team. You know, I, I, I'm not sure what direction they're really going in. You know, when you got guys that you're trying to put out there as free agents, uh, or as sorry, I'm sorry, as a as trade bait. You know, you're, you got guys like JJ Reddick, you got Eric Bledsoe, you got um, Lonzo, and, and they're potentially in trades. And I, I think for all those guys, rightfully so, you know. Those are three guards right there. I'm not sure what's happening with the guard rotation and, and what the plan is going forward with that team. That's kind of my big question mark. And then the other one is is obviously Zion's development. You know, and it, are we going to see him kind of <laughs> be a defensive leader or, or a guy who's making some wow plays on defense too, like he did in college? Or are we seeing you know are we going to see someone who's still figuring it out and still upset about the minutes, maybe, or still you know not taking over that lead role? just like in college with R.J. Barrett, he's the best player, but he lets the other guy take over and be the be the guy on the team. You know, I think Lonzo... I'm sorry, I think uh, Zion has a potential to be better than, than Brandon Ingram, but he's kind of allowing Ingram to, to step into the forefront. And I wonder if that's a personality thing. I think that's an okay thing, but it just doesn't make me feel really comfortable about him really reaching his ceiling that like we all think is so automatic for this guy, you know, based on the tools. Um... Uh, Yeah, so I think there, I really liked what David Griffin was doing, you know, a year ago, two years ago. I liked the Jackson Hayes pick. I liked Frank Jackson. I liked kind of the development of some of these guys. Um, And obviously, B.I. is a great talent, but I'm just curious, like, it doesn't seem like it's a clear direction as of today.
0: Right. It, it seems like they're trying to have two drivers to the sports car. And right now, Zion, he's just kind of saying, all right, Ingram, take the wheel in the last five minutes, which has been fine because, I mean, Zion's got the most points in the paint in the NBA. But in the last five minutes, it's more of, it, it's more of a perimeter game. And that right now, that's where Ingram excels. Uh, even though, I mean, Zion's got more all-star votes than him, I think we still want Ingram with the ball, you know, in that situation. Now, I mean, even Wiggins has more all-star votes than than Ingram, which is a travesty, but I'm high on Wigan, so I can't I can't harp on that too much. But so let me uh, ask
1: you, yeah, let go me ahead. ask you because I haven't watched the last four games. What are you seeing different in the last four that maybe we could call a potential trend? You know what we would want to see, like what consistency are you
0: seeing? Oh, Lewis Junior is getting more minutes playing, playing great. I mean, I think that's the plan for the future. Nikhil Alexander Walkers looked wonderful. Uh, I think a lot of it's just. Effort and hustle plays are starting to go the Pelicans' way. I mean, Josh Hart had what 16, 17 rebounds last night against the Rockets. He had his most impressive dunk of his career, in my opinion. I mean, even Josh Hart's been on social media when the Pelicans will post a picture with him up in the air near the rim, and he's like, "This was a great layup, y'all don't y'all don't think this was some great dunk?" So, I mean, he makes fun of himself with that, but last night he threw one down. So, I mean, this team just got a little bit more pep in its step the last four games. They got to come home. They were on a road trip. You know, That the first game got canceled. They had to worry about COVID for a while. I mean, imagine that. Imagine these players, yeah. as close as they are. Uh, and I've heard this from within the team. They go to Dallas. Dallas is, you know, canceled. The game is canceled. We don't know who had what, but we know it was multiple people. And then they're going to Minnesota, and no player has been more affected, in my opinion, by COVID than Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's lost several family members. So... Just the dynamics of t- making that trip and knowing knowing all of that, it has to affect some of these younger players. And the ones that are so young, they're oblivious to it. I guarantee you, the veterans have mentioned it, so that they stay on their p's and q's and they keep their mask up and that just that sort of stuff. So I think some of it's just the Pelicans got to come home. They've got more consistency in their playing style. They've had more time to practice. the The hustle plays are going away. way that. This team was close. They weren't one game from last place. That wasn't the standard. And if you look at just a few games, I I think you see this team's coming together. They didn't have time to practice during the pandemic with with Stan Van Gundy. Now they're really starting to get this stuff drilled in. So that's what what I'm seeing. I'm expecting the Pelicans to hit the playoffs. And they'll be battling Portland again. (laughs) The filthiest dunks,
1: you know, like – the most unfiltered dunk of Josh Hart's career. That's what you should start saying for these. You know, the filthiest of them all is the most unfiltered. Oh, I would say. that's Josh great. Josh Hart, man, that's, that's, a, that's a talent. The, these Villanova guys are just coming out every year, just NBA ready. You know, they're, they're role players ready to go. Sadiq Bey is, is a guy who I think is going to be a really good player in this league too. Um, yeah, Josh Hart, he's... Those guys know work ethic. They've got the the fundamentals already from Jay Wright and that staff. And so they come out just understanding what it takes to improve year after year. Josh Hart to steal. So what's happening with Lonzo, though? What's going to happen?
0: Lonzo, uh, let's look at the last game for just a a, a small sample size, but more of a dichotomy. He opened the game. He opened the game with a step-back three, drained it, rained it, had no problems, confident. How many shots did Lonzo have for the rest of the first quarter? He barely touched the ball. So, I I, I can't really hate on Lonzo if he got a little rusty in the second quarter cuz he literally stepped out. He was filling himself, he hits the shot and then it's almost like the team the team trusts him, but the none of the game plan was meant to go through him. So, I'm not sure where this team can go with Lonzo. I don't think they can go to the 18 to 20 million dollar mark. In restricted free agency, and anything above that, they should just rescind his rights so that they have the cap space immediately. That's where I'm at with Lonzo.
1: And, I mean, his brother's over there. He's hit seven threes in a game recently. Is is the jump shot going to work out for either of these two?
0: Nah, yeah, I'm not sold on, on either of them being a consistent shooter like that. I mean, Lonzo Balls hit seven threes in a game as well. Has he done more than four in a game, two, three times in a month? No, never. He's gone for two for 12 more more often than he's done like four for seven. And that's, that's just that's just how his game's been. I, I still look at his free throw percentage. Uh, one of the popular tropes on this podcast is I'd, I'd literally said I'll go get a face tattoo or a neck tattoo from this guy called West Bank Popeye and that's his only name. You can look him up on YouTube. He's down Bourbon Street. Out of his mind, sometimes giving glow sticks away for free. People in New Orleans know what I'm talking about. Everybody else, please go check out West Bank Popeye. But I put my name on it. I will get a tattoo by that man after letting him drink and smoke whatever he is smoking on. And If Lonzo Ball could hit more than 70% from the free throw line. I was never in danger of getting that tattoo.
1: Okay, so you got the two ball brothers that are being picked number two overall. You know, Lonzo's obviously a good defender. He's got the great vision. You know, both those guys can really, like, move the ball and create for others. But if they can't shoot, what else are they doing, right? So, Lamelo, he's a rebounder. He's, he's, you know, got more length. Um, And so I think he's got more tools to be successful in this league. But I really felt like... Like Lonzo had a chance to be something special, you know, and he's just not translating things over to to this, the NBA team concept. Um, he was kind of revolutionizing things at, at UCLA, taking that Chino Hills style and to the college level, where he was a little bit more controlled, right? And it, it was it was really impressive what he was doing out there in California. And in the NBA, he just hasn't figured it out. And so, I, I just think that we got to stop picking guys like that. At number two in the draft, you know, if we know that they can't shoot, that's a big deal. I think in the draft that that even NBA GMs are overlooking these days. You know, far be it from me uh, a JUCO coach to be telling NBA GMs, GMs how to do their job right, but I'm, as a basketball guy, I'm seeing this and I'm just like, well, when are we going to realize that we need to get guys who can shoot?
0: Right. Look at draft. ESPN. It's a make or miss league. If you can't shoot, the rest of it's gone. Like he does a lot of things that reminds you of Magic Johnson with his passing. And some of his rebounding, but if you can't shoot, I mean, you can't shoot. He could be a Chauncey Billups type. You mentioned him earlier, a late bloomer. But look at look at both ball brothers and, and rebounding. Who needs rebounding on a team that's got Josh Hart grabbing 17? It's got Steven Adams in there. It's got Zion. You, you we don't need rebounding. We need shooting. So this isn't the team that really. You you need to you need a team that needs your strengths, not that's playing against your weaknesses. And right now, I think we're just trying to negate Lonzo's weaknesses more than we're playing to his strengths. Even though he's playing great basketball, this is one of the best stretches of his career. He's learning his role in this offense. But his best-used skills on the court, this this team's not using them.
1: And so we're saying all this, and I'd like to, 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 to conclude it with my take that Lonzo Ball is a pretty boy. He doesn't really want it. He doesn't want to, you know, he, he's self-involved. He, I think he thinks he's better than he is. He's, he thinks he's got more swag than he does. And I'm, I'm putting him on this list of of, un, of overrated players. And Zach Levine is on this list. And Aaron Gordon is on this list. And uh, don't ask me why they're all light-skinned guys. I, I haven't figured that out. Uh, but it's... I just don't think that he's going to put it all together, and I think that he's going to have to hit some low points in order to realize like how to actually buy into the whole thing instead of buying into to what his thing is. You know, this guy's so famous, it's like why should he buy in? You know, and it's, you're going to find you're, the the basketball gods will show you why. At the end of the day,
0: you can't escape that. I agree with that last point. I'm in the doghouse enough with Lonzo Ball and the Ball family that I won't touch the rest of it past that tattoo story <laughs> but uh just to just to wrap up so we don't take up too much of your time i know you're a busy man out there give us your thoughts on the nba general, your impressions so far has covid been handled correctly and then we'll get to those those funny ideas you have for other podcast topics that we'll bring you back for next time yeah um the NBA, I think, when you look at what
1: football and baseball did and the NBA, the NBA has not released their second half of the season schedule yet. I like the fact that they're taking their time with that. They already have a ton of games that are postponed, um, and they need to figure out how to include those. But just taking this COVID thing month by month, I think, is is kind of the important thing because our perception of it changes. The science changes. I feel like we're all trying to figure this thing out, and – I just I'm glad the NBA is not saying we're going to go to all the way to the end we're going to you know and, and and no matter what happens we're playing these games you know it's I think that's refreshing they are taking the players um, health uh, you know as the number one priority and so this all-star game situation should we or should we not play the all-star game I think is is really interesting I'm curious to see how this one Ends up, I think. I think it should end up with us selecting an all-star team, and everyone gets credited for being an all-star. And even maybe even the injured players, you know, have replacements for them, like we would in a normal game. But we just don't play the game. Um, so I think the NBA is doing a, you know, a, an A, A minus right now. I think they're doing a good job. Um, just and and the way they've incorporated, you know, the importance of the Black Lives Matter thing, the importance of. black history month in february and and extending that um it's this is a year-round thing just like basketball has become a year-round thing you know in in terms of you and i have a podcast now it's not just bill simmons right um and and this is a, a 365 day a year business so this is the same with the the social and cultural impact of politics and the economy and and the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, social justice is 365, and it's not just Black History Month in February. Like, this is important. NBA recognizes that. Adam Silver recognizes that. Even David Stern recognized that back in the day, that that there's a cultural component to this that is extremely important for the livelihoods of, of generations of these players. And now, we're finally seeing some guys who are you know, the, the sons of NBA players. We're seeing, we're, we're able to compare Larry Nance Jr. against Larry Nance Sr. We're able to compare sons of, you know, legends, um, and and I've kind of I'm trying to figure this theory out of: is the son better than the dad in the
0: NBA if both played in the NBA? Like Clay Thompson, he's better than his dad. Michael Steph Thompson, is better right? than his dad. Steph is better. So and and as I've gone through a list that I've
1: created. And I'm still working on it because, you know, names keep popping up that I didn't realize. Their dad was in the NBA, too. You know, he had a cup of coffee with this team in the 70s or whatever. Um, it's kind of going 50-50. Like, you can't tell it, who's better, the dad or the son. But that's that's a kooky idea I've got for a podcast at some point or an article at some point. Um, yeah.
0: Well, that sounds very interesting. I know you're over at Music, Movies, and Hoops. Tell us where they can find you at on Twitter and, you know... The rest of your work there, yeah. I, I'm at Coach Mo Tanko at Twitter,
1: um, and at Celtics Pride Pod on Twitter with the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics blog podcast feed, and then I'm trying to do stuff with music, movies, and hoops. I really like what they're doing over there, um, and yeah, unfiltered dunks. I'm trying to I'm trying to do the podcast roundtables.
0: Hey, well, we appreciate you coming on for this little chat. We'll get some more people in, get some round tables to discuss these ideas. At Coach Josh Matinko, everybody, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Dodson. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Uh, Pelicans fans, check us out next week. We'll have more content up, and we're still giving away that graded Zion Williamson card. Y'all have a good day. Happy Mardi Gras. Hey guys, once again, you can go to Twitter. It's doing it, Dodson. Also, you can follow Music, Movies, and Hoops over there. You can follow Coach Dumas if you want to see a little bit more about what his kids are doing with the raffle. Go to Instagram after that. Follow Music, Movies, and Hoops. And then my space where you can see all the cards that will be up for the raffle, auction, and anything else you want to do for donations at Cleats. That's Cards underscore C-R-E-S-T-S underscore Cleats over on Instagram. We'll be doing some stuff for Instagram Live and, and doing some giveaways, some raffles, stuff to raise money for not only... Coach Dumas and his kids, but some other schools as well that I've made bets with, and little 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 fun things that we're doing with sports cards. So if you got any to donate, and you think they want to go to a good cause, I'm getting them out there in a way that is helping raise money for you know get these kids to camps, fill out clearinghouse paperwork, get some equipment, and then there's also uh, some children hospitals that we work with in Ohio, Kentucky, that that I mean. If you really just got them in the way, they're old burner cards. They're just basic cardboard in your way. You want to get them out, you want them to go to a good cause, get in contact with me. Uh, Pelicans fans, thanks so much. Talk to you all next time.